Good afternoon. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Cindy Michener and Peter Field with me this afternoon. And lovely to have your company. Thank you for your feedback so far. Now, yesterday we spoke about the high number of New Zealanders travelling abroad this summer. But of course, many will be hitting our regional hotspots as well. But with COVID-19 infections on the rise... Again, rural medical centres could be overwhelmed. Our third wave of infections is expected to peak during the holiday period. So health professionals are asking people not to be complacent when travelling. So for some advice, maybe some tips, we have University of Otago Professor of Public Health, Michael Baker. Professor Baker, kia ora. Kia ora, Wallace. Now, just reading here, nearly... 43,000 cases over the past seven days, 581 people in hospital. Where are we likely to get to with COVID infections over the um, summer period? Yes, well, some of the modelling is suggesting we may see a wave comparable to the first two waves we've had this year. And it's worth remembering just what that means because basically... Every person, every 100 people who get infected, uh, one will go to hospital roughly. Every 1,000 people, someone will die. And after that, a certain proportion of people will be disabled with long COVID. So it does have big implications. Can I just bring in that long COVID? Because the issue uh, as well that people are thinking about is that idea of having infection upon infection, you know, reinfection, uh, Michael. Um, what do we need to sort of think about with regards to having that long COVID factor? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, the full um, epidemiology of long COVID is still being worked out. But this infection is very different from the flu. Like with influenza, you may get an infection every few years, and quite a high proportion of the population do get it every winter, but you don't get it three times a year. Whereas with COVID-19, we are seeing people get it regularly, and you can get reinfected within a month. So this uh-huh. is a different infection, and each time you get it, you run that same gauntlet of severe effects. So that's a reason why um, everyone, even if you've had it before, you still have to take precautions with this infection. Well, that sounds pretty clear to me, Cindy Mishna. That is a good reason to... Um, Stay take, at home. Take, well, <laughs> take precaution when you're, talking, when you're hearing about this reinfection. What's your questions or thoughts on this, Cindy? Oh, hi, Michael. Look, I, you know, this is not a new problem. Infrastructure pressure on holiday towns ha- has been around for a long time, and obviously the health system is under pressure anyway. But, I mean... I can't imagine looking at, you know, the beach in Waihee and seeing a whole lot of people with masks on on the beach. It just doesn't seem to be a sort of thing that will happen. So, you know, what would your advice be? What, what are the solutions to this, given that really it's not a new problem? Well, I think the big issue is how this virus is transmitted. People shouldn't be wearing masks on the beach. This is an infection that's transmitted indoors, And we often talk about the three C's of contained, close contact and crowded. So unfortunately, this is the environment that all of us grew up and loved to socialise in. So it's still really important that you get out, obviously, and and, um, catch up with family and friends and enjoy the holiday period. But just to make some adjustments to take account of the fact that we're we're going to see a big wave of COVID infection over this period. So are you you saying that you only get COVID inside, you can't get it outside? 
it's very difficult to get it outside. And that is, it's transmitted as an aerosol. And the problem right. is you can't, you can't see that aerosol, but it hangs around. And if you don't have good ventilation indoors, uh, one infected person can infect a whole room full of people quite quickly. And the problem at the moment is there's so much infection around, it means, and this, the mass is really tough here, and right. that is that if you're in a room with 10 people at the moment, you've got about a 15% chance that one of them will be infected and infectious. So if you go for a series of indoor events over the week before Christmas, you've got a better than even chance of being exposed to this virus. And it will go even higher. And if there's more people than 10 in the room, the risk is even higher again. So this is the problem. You can't, some of those people won't have uh, symptoms. You can't see the aerosol, but they're busy infecting people around them. So this is what you have to do over this period it's just assume that if you're indoors with other people, that someone will have the virus and open the doors and windows, preferably shift these social events to a covered outdoor area, which is a lot easier to do over summer, of course. Now, thank you, uh, uh, Michael. Uh, Peter Field, thoughts or questions? Well, of course, I'm not an epidemiologist, but of course, we've heard some very different things now. So no one's saying get vaccinated. So that's over. Um, how important was getting all those billions of dollars into vaccinations and so far as we now have COVID spreading as we always have? Well, vaccination and boosters are still really important. And we've got over a million New Zealanders that are not up to date on their, their boosters. And What does up to date mean? Can you explain that to us? Well, it means that if, you've, um, uh, if you're in a certain age band, you should have had uh, you eligible for your fourth uh, dose now. And well, what age everyone, band is that? Well, uh, it, it, um, it's, it's those over 40 now. Right. So if you're over 40, you should be getting a fourth dose, you're suggesting? Is that the, uh, um, the medical advice? Yes. Yes, at the moment. So right. And how long will that last? How long will the immunity last um, that you get from a, a... Right, we got all of our boosters, but no one said that it would only last a matter of months. Uh, basically, um, the problem with this virus and the reason it's coming back all the time and uh, reinfecting people is because of waning immunity. But the, the giant benefit of um, getting boosters is they protect you um, against uh, um, getting serious effects. That is um, um, basically uh, going to hospital um, and, uh, that's, and, and, and dying from the infection and also from long COVID. So that's the benefit of the booster. So, now, you, so you know this. Hold on, yeah, if I may, how, Wallace. So yeah, we know this. briefly. That, Quickly, the unvaccinated then have a much higher rate of hospitalization and long COVID, you're saying? That's a fact? That's right. Yes. That sounds like okay, that's, good. That's good. That doesn't and, seem to be pretty con that doesn't seem to be that controversial, does it? Because we've known that for a while. Can I just um, bring in some other uh, news, Professor Baker? I see while you're here, I see that the European Union and the World Health Organization have launched an epidemic and pandemic intelligence partnership, you know, reinforcing preparedness. And I was just reading about this, and it's quite comprehensive. How seriously do you think New Zealand is taking preparedness for, well, you know, anything else that happens in the future? Uh, look, I think there's a lot more we can do here. I mean, one of the really positive steps, of course, is the Royal Commission, and that's going to be reporting in 18 months. And... Uh, that is got uh, is very focused on um, pandemic preparedness in the future. Uh, so I think that's really positive. I think at the global level, there's work on a pandemic uh, treaty. Um, Helen Clark's contributed to a lot of good thinking in this area. So 
So I think there will be progress in those areas. But yes, unfortunately, there are a lot more pandemic threats on the horizon that we need to prepare for. Actually, I should say while I'm talking, the, the um, eligibility for the second booster, it's for Maori and Pacific people aged 40, but other people, it's, it's 50 years and over. I just wanted to qualify that. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of clarifications on uh, text there. Thanks for that, uh, Mike. You, you, you wanted to say something? Uh, uh, Michael, so... Um you're talking about preparedness, which is a sort of a societal response. What can the individual do apart from wearing a mask inside? Well, uh, the, the things you can do as an individual in addition to getting um, your vaccine. Your, yeah, in addition to being fully vaccinated. That, that's right. And, I, and many New Zealanders, of course, are, fortunately. The, other, the, the second thing is paying your attention to where you're meeting other people and uh, that's particularly around ventilation and particularly while we're in this wave of infection. And then, obviously, if you are in an indoor environment where, where it's not well ventilated... Like a restaurant. Well, yes. I mean, you need to choose your restaurants. And But I would say um, the problem is that many of our social gatherings involve food and drink and you take your mask off and you've got lots of people in there. And Christmas you get into the swing of the yes. evening yeah. or, or an event, and that is the problem. So... One thing is to choose uh, restaurants that do have outdoor seating areas uh, and they they work well uh, for ventilation. Nice to have you on, Professor Baker. And Bob, can I just ask you, before you go too, you know, it has been a heck of a year. Uh, are you yourself getting a break? Yes, I'm just about to head up to uh, Hawke's Bay to Napier and then the Coromandel and then back to um, Taupo for a couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm going to get a good break. Good on you. All the best for Christmas. Kia ora. That is Professor of Public Health, Michael Baker there, 17 Not going in for cargo, though. Huh? Uh, what's that? <laughs> it's not going to Invercargill. No, not going to Invercargill, no, no. But look, I do I do promise you that I will be um, going to Invercargill uh, in 12 months. And you know what? I'm going to report from there. Somebody Great. called it inbred cargle. Yeah, that's not fair. On that article I read, I thought that was most yeah. unkind. 17 past four, the panel. Now, the Jan 6 committee has referred Donald Trump for criminal prosecution on four counts. The first time in American history that Congress has referred a former president for criminal prosecution. This is Congressman Jamie Raskin. The committee believes that more than sufficient evidence exists for a criminal referral of former President Trump for assisting or aiding and comforting those at the Capitol who engaged in a violent attack on the United States. The committee has developed significant evidence that President Trump intended to disrupt the peaceful transition of power under our Constitution. Jan 6, 2000, rioters entered the U.S. Capitol building, occupied, vandalised, looted. Five people died either shortly before, during or following the event. One was shot by Capitol Police. Donald Trump sat and watched it on television. Now, he could face up to 25 years in prison if he is convicted of the four criminal charges. I know that Cindy and particularly Peter will have uh, views, thoughts on this. Let's also bring in University of Otago Professor of International Relations, Dr. Robert Patton, Patton, who teaches in US foreign policy. Dr. Patton, kia ora. Kia ora, Wallace. Whatever way this goes, uh, Robert, certainly history-making? It certainly is. And as your introductory remarks uh, indicated, 
this is the first time that a congressional committee has actually uh, made a referral uh, of this nature, that is, uh, prosecution of Mr. Trump on four charges, has made a criminal referral to the Department of Justice, which, of course, is part of the Biden administration. So this, the, the, these findings have uh, not so much legal weight, but certainly political significance, and, and actually could actually indirectly have legal weight as well. Okay, right. So the Justice Department now is to take up uh, the January 6th panel charges, but as I understand, under no obligation to adopt the recommendations. Well, the the Justice Department is well into uh, investigation into this whole matter, Uh, and and that shouldn't, you know, a grand jury convened by federal attorneys has already issued subpoenas to dozens of Mr. Trump's administration and campaign officials and requested many of the same Trump administration documents reviewed by the Congressional Committee that we've just been discussing. So the interesting thing here, as pointed out by a member of the Congressional Committee, um, is that they will make all their evidence available, which they've gathered uh, over 18 months, to the Department of Justice. And, of course, the Department of Justice has been putting together its own evidence. So the weight of this cumulatively could be bad news for Mr. Trump. Okay. Now, Peter, I know you'll have uh, some uh, thoughts on this, so let's bring you in. Well, I guess I do. I mean, the much bigger results of a trial of any kind of legal issue today was Harvey Weinstein convicted in L.A., in my opinion. Mm. This is absolutely nothing. No president has ever been referred before because presidents are old and they're out of politics. Well, Trump's not out of politics. and This is, as Robert says, entirely a political move. There's absolutely nothing in this. If there was anything in this at all, then it would have been a bipartisan committee. So this is politics. It's simply the Democrats going after Trump, which I guess is pointless except to make us feel good because largely Trump is out of play. This is not bipartisan. The biggest problem in America is partisanship. And this will only play to one side. It won't convince a single Trump supporter Republican that Trump was worse than they thought or better than they thought. It's sad. Well, let's bring Robert in on there, and I'm just wondering. <laughs> in my this, opinion, great, no, great, great comments actually, because um, uh, Robert speaking about the uh, intense bipartisanship of the political system. I guess it shows, as the New York Times said, just how vulnerable the system is and was to such assaults. What do you think? Well, yes, I mean the, the, the point that Peter's just made. Is true at one level. Uh, the the fact of the matter is this was a partisan committee, no. but that in a sense it reflects the polarisation within American politics at the moment. And Mr. Trump had, did have some, can, you know, it wasn't down to him entirely. But, uh, American society became was polarised from perhaps the financial crisis of 2008 2009 onwards. Excellent. But it certainly accelerated during the Trump years, and. Uh, one of the things is that the two Republicans that served on the Congressional Committee investigating the 6th of January 2021 attack, one of whom was Liz Cheney, um, they, she was effectively de- deselected from her position in Wyoming. So, in, in a sense, it's only Republicans serving on that committee who effectively are loggerheads yeah. with the majority of Republicans in, their, in, in her own party. I I do think this is a very serious situation. 
Mr. Trump has multiple legal problems, and uh, it's not just the Justice Department he's got to worry about. He, he's facing other legal difficulties um, uh, about this business, about the president taking classified material to his Mar-a-Lago estate after he left office. It's a very serious thing, taking classified material uh, to his house and uh, his home, his estate, I should say. And there's also the, another legal possibility looming here is that a Georgia district attorney continues to dig into whether Mr. Trump's contact with state officials in, in the aftermath of the 2020 election violated Georgia election law. There are also a host of civil cases against him as well. So he's got quite a lot of looming legal problems. And uh, this is, I think, having some political impact. He, he's been in some political decline within Republican circles with Fox, for example, which is a long champion, Mr. Trump, uh, at least while he was in office, now declaring uh, that Mr. DeSantis from Florida, the governor of Florida, is now the leader of the Republican Party. So it, it, right. I think, in a sense, he's got multiplying legal and political problems. OK, Cindy. So, uh, Robert, I mean, he's got multiplying problems. Somehow he needs to be accountable for his role, you know, uh, bigger in some of the problems, smaller in the others. But don't you think he needs to be held accountable in some absolutely. way? I do, yes, yeah. I do. I think he's absolutely accountable. You know, I... I, I, I and he should probably go to jail. Uh, yes, he should legally. He's not above the law. He should no, not be exactly. above the law. And there's a clear connection between um, his activities from the 18th of December onwards and the events of the 6th of January uh, 2021. And uh, what is extraordinary so far is that many of the big lead, uh, sort of prominent players that were connected to the insurrection, including Mr. Trump himself, have so far eluded the reach of the law, but I'm not sure that will go on for too long. So the four current congressmen that are also um, being charged with him, if they're found guilty, they can no longer be members of Congress? Yes, I mean, one, one of, that's true. Uh, what, Liz Cheney uh, made the point uh, in the Congressional Committee statement that Mr Trump should never be allowed in, on the basis uh, of his conduct never to be, hold elective office again. Agreed. Uh, uh, that, that, she would say that because she's a big opponent of Mr Trump, but yeah. I think nevertheless uh, a, a, a significant statement. Peter. Can I get in a last word, Wallace? Sure. Which is, you know, I just think it's sad that I bet virtually every one of the Radio New Zealand listeners despises Trump, has a particular view, and there's nothing worth saying that is a surprise in any way and only confirms what all the listeners think. And it's so naive to think that somehow we're so justified in demolishing Trump and not trying to understand and sympathize with, what, 67 million Americans who somehow thought they would rather have him than Hillary Clinton and 70 million who almost got him elected over Joe Biden. It's just so easy for us to hate the man. Not one of us voted for him. And so here we are denigrating him. And we don't realize how partisan we are, too. Well, that's the last word. <laughs> Interesting. Hey, Dr. Papin, kia ora. Kia ora. Thank you for your time there. 
Very, very good indeed. I'm sure you'll get some responses uh, from <laughs> that. Um, Let's move on to something less political. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, yeah, we might come back to that. But well, I'm wanna... no fan of Trump. It's not that at all. It's just, it's just so one-sided. It's You're... so New York no. Times and Washington no. Post. <laughs> So and it's I, just retired of it. You're trying to, yeah, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find out where you're coming from, Peter. You're trying, you're trying to say that um, uh, it is obvious what we're saying. But here you've got a person, right? I mean, people died, and this guy, whether or not we support him, he sat and watched it on TV. Now, Peter, from New York, that's the point. That's the point. And some are saying that he should pay, face prison for, prison time for that. That really is the point. Nothing else. 28 past four. Now, I have a question for you. Does anyone on a completely different matter still eat or make Christmas fruitcake? <laughs> when was the time you popped a sugar-soaked fruitcake on the Christmas table? Uh, the Christmas fruitcake was incredibly popular in Victorian England. I can recall it growing up. Well, I was wrong. You came in in droves. You loved your Christmas cake, including Anna in Tauranga. Anna, kia ora. Kia ora, Wallace. Now, aside from Donald Trump, aside from Donald Trump, <laughs> Talking Anna, of fruitcakes. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm talking about ones with no nuts in it, maybe. Yeah, exactly, thank you. Tell us about making the Christmas fruit cake. Oh gosh. Well, I grew up with a mother who made fruit cake not just for Christmas but for weddings and any other special anniversary type, you know, 21st birthdays with the cake tin wrapped in um, newspapers that cook slowly and little enamel cups with water in the oven to keep the humidity so it didn't dry out. And she was also a cake decorator uh, a proper professional cake decorator. So fruitcake is in my DNA, but it's not in my sister's. Ah, how so? Yeah, she she actually makes, she's the family mince pie maker. She eats one and gives the rest away. <laughs> well, I mean, it, you know, I think it's actually quite a personal taste. We were thing. wrong, Cindy. You and I both agree that wrong no one would strong, make it. Wrong is a strong uh, word. It's not strong. <laughs> it was accurate. We, we didn't think anyone would make it. We've got uh, no, hundreds of uh, comments on yeah. this. I, it's a very strong New Zealand thing. My husband loves it. I just yep. don't like it. And, I, I mean, uh, I, I think that lots and lots of people are still making it. But, you know, the icing, do you put lots of icing on yours? You remember that had that sort of yeah. brownie, almondy one and then the white, Ma- white Mother on the top, my mother used to make it. Anna? It was hideous. Yeah, uh, my my mother was very much uh, marzipan yeah. and, and then the fondant icing. Yeah. But I am not. I just make the cake and then I no wrap icing. it up. And, no, no, only because I'm too lazy. Huh. And, P- and then, frankly, it doesn't last that long. Peter apparently is an American thing as well, the Christmas fruit cake. Well, yeah. I think it, right we associate it with the holiday, and that's a wonderful thing. If you only have it once a year, and you've had it once a year, and it reminds you of childhood and Christmas, how can you argue against that, Wallace? Yeah, fair enough. Anna, <laughs> have a great Christmas, and Thank thanks you. thanks for the um, uh, thanks for the reminder about how wonderful a Christmas fruitcake can be.
Yes, nutritional and nourishing and full of Christmas cheer. <laughs> and lots of fruit yes. in it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Very good. Right. To each their own. All right. Whoa, look at the responses regarding uh, all sides to actually about Trump. Um, wonderful stuff. Kia ora. Thanks for uh, fee- uh, your feedback this afternoon. I really appreciate it. Tuesday afternoon, Cindy Michener and Peter Field with me today. It's time for headlines.